Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome back to the Down in the Dirt podcast where we are getting dirty talking baseball. I am your host, Carson Lee. I know it's been a while since we last talked. My apologies. Baseball season has a tendency to disrupt even your best laid plans. So I haven't been able to interview as many people I'd like to so far. But I'm excited about today's guest, my teammate for the last two years, Mr. Peter Pena. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the show. So you're always up to date with new episodes whenever they air. Leave me a review. I'm always open for new suggestions about how to make the show better. So without further ado, on to today's interview with Mr. Peter Pena. Peter, how you doing, man? Doing good, brother. How you doing? Doing great out here in uh, <laughs> Colorado. Doing yes, fantastic. Um, so Peter is a catcher. He's from Cecil College, or went to Cecil Community College, and then he went on to Mansfield University a Division Two in the Penn State Athletic Conference. Uh, he started his career playing for the High Desert Yardbirds in the Pecos League. And then last year we were together with the Cal City Whiptails. And then this year we were together with the Garden City Wind out here in Kansas. First question on the list, how much can you bench? This is from my boys over at the Yardbird. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I saw this question beforehand and I was ready. I was trying to get the right answer. I don't, I've never maxed out on a bench like a PR of one. So like PR of two or four actually, it's 275. And I could do 100 pounds on dumbbells, but I've never really tried to go for a one max. I'm pretty sure I can get up there if I tried, but I haven't, so I can't really give a good answer. 275 for four for right now, I guess? Yo, yard work, Andrew, we're gonna have to get some official numbers on that. Yeah, let's do it, <laughs> let's do it one All day. right, so getting started, uh, just talking about yourself, tell us how you got into playing baseball, you know, how you how you fell in love with the game and just kind of where everything developed from all right so honestly there's one image that sticks in my head when i think about how i fell in love with the game uh, i was during the subway series that world the world series subway series in 2000 when the yankees and mets are playing my dad was always an avid fan um i don't know what game was on in that series but all i know is i fell asleep watching that game and from that moment on i knew that's what i wanted to do for the rest of my life and honestly if you do the math, I was four or three or four at that time. And then my dad got me in a T-ball league and I just fell in love, dude. I just knew this is what I wanted to do. Like, I don't know why. I don't know like what made me want to do it. I don't know, but it just, I fell in love with the grass, the dirt, the ball, the bat, everything. That's just really what got me started, man. Just watching that World Series and then playing T-ball, honestly. Yeah, and I feel like we all have kind of had the same story with that. Just yeah. being little kids, you know, watching, watching the superstars on TV and the games that were on in our area, like for me, it was the Astros right. with the Astrodome and Bagwell, Biggio, you know, all those guys. So right. I feel like we all have have the same stories, but it's always unique to hear everybody's everybody's um, background and where they come from. Oh, for sure, dude, for sure. So once you got into high school, though, <coughs> were you playing multiple multiple sports or were you just strictly a baseball guy? So freshman and sophomore year, multiple sports. I was playing football and baseball. Um, my sophomore year, I actually got moved up to varsity in football, and I moved myself back down because I didn't get along with the coach. I had a concussion. He was adamant that I needed to quit baseball, focus on football because I'm a bigger guy. And he had connections. He played at Fordham University, D1. He got cut uh, in training camp with the Giants, and he really thought I could be someone that could follow in those footsteps. And I just told him, like, I appreciate that a lot, but – it's kind of hard for you to like choose my career path for me or like what I'm going to pursue. And he was just very, he was a great guy, but he was just very, you know, kind of like a dictator in what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to quit baseball. So after my sophomore year, I actually quit football and I focused on baseball. It was just baseball there on out. 
two years, and, years. And for the people that don't know, because I did not say it, you know, in the beginning, but yeah. you're from New York, right? Uh, right. So you know, it's cold up there. Cold, yeah. Cold. You know, majority of the years, so I'm sure it was hard, probably being able to get on a baseball field to begin with. Yes. Uh, but how do you think? You know, playing football early, early in high school, transitioned over to the baseball field, or if it transitioned at it, all. It definitely did. Uh, I was always growing up; I was always a chubby kid. I was like a little fat, chubby. <laughs> I'm not. I'm being serious. I was. I was. And football is the first time I actually started doing like push-ups, you know, weighted stuff, physical activity. You know, doing suicides and gear, just practicing in the summer, and I started seeing like results through that, like with my body. Yeah, that was the first time in my life my body actually changed. I became more athletic. Uh, my catching, I'm a catcher. It, it definitely, you know, I was able to be more springy, more athletic behind the dish, be able to block better. So I, I'm definitely, you know, grateful for what football gave to me. Definitely made me realize what, you know, working hard and doing stuff like that, like aesthetics, you know, lifting, whatever it is, definitely how that could play in a, making your game a lot better and just being a better athlete. Yeah, I mean, I can I can compare to that because I played basketball growing up and. Back then, you know, I was actually taller than everybody else because I hit puberty before everyone else. What a great time that was! Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm just shorter than everybody. But uh, you know, I used to always say that my basketball really transitioned over to the baseball field as far as you know having to constantly jump and cut side to side and all those kind of things. For sure. Um, but you know, our, for us, same thing. Our athletic director was like, "Hey, you can only play one sport." You know pick a sport and I knew as a 5'9 guy I was not going to have a career in basketball so time to hang up the basketball shoes Yeah. but anyways going on to your senior year of high school right. was your mindset on going to a junior college or were you looking at universities um, kind of take us through the recruiting process and how that was like for you because that's one of the things I, I like to give a lot of feedback yeah. on just to help people because everybody you know, stresses that well, I don't have a college to go mm-hmm. to. I don't. I'm, Vanderbilt's not calling me, mm-hmm. and they don't understand that there's so many opportunities to continue playing baseball right. if you search for them. So take us through that process. My well, my process. I started late. I was playing rec ball in the summers until my junior year. The summer after my junior year. That that summer after my junior year, I actually got in like the tournament circuit. What you're supposed to be doing early on, I think, to get yourself that exposure you need. So I was late to the to the party, and even though I did have a good summer that year. You know, a lot of, like, the good D2s around me, the good D1s, you know, the four years that you want to go to and be a part of, they, they, it was too late for them to really, you know, take a chance on me. A lot of them said, hey, you can come and be a preferred walk-on. Iona College is D1 locally where I'm from in Westchester County. You know, it's not the greatest school, but they told me I could come be a preferred walk-on at uh, a high school. And to me, that means, like, a guy that's probably going to sit bench until I prove myself. I don't know when that was going to be, my freshman year or my senior year. So my coaches, luckily – a lot of them went to junior college, and the one coach, his name's Ian Miller, uh, he went to Cecil College. So he told me, hey, dude, just like take this visit, see how you like it, meet the coach, Coach O'Brien, and talk to me about it. I went there in the fall of my senior year. I was October. I did a workout, just simple throw down a second, take some BP, like literally the quickest workout you could ever imagine. He told me, listen, if you want to come here, i got a spot for you. He offered me there on the spot, and I'm not going to lie. Two weeks later, I committed. I told him I'm coming because I saw in him, I saw someone that cared. And that's something I think that's most important for me, and I'll tell any young kid, find a coach that you can think cares the most about you. He yeah, cares wants, about me to a person. And wants the best for your career. Exactly. And wants, wants to see you develop. He still calls me to this day. He'll call me randomly, and yeah. that's, like, what I love. You know, he's my he, – He's one of the closest things, and definitely in the baseball field, I've found to a father, like, and I, that's something I'll always cherish. And 
I knew right when I got on that field, I'm going to play for him because guess what? Junior college provides you with a great – something great. You can get drafted at junior college. You yeah. can't get drafted over four years if you go right away. And I know not all of us are going to play pro ball, but you have that one good year your freshman year. Don't you want to get drafted because of that? You go to a four, you have a great year your freshman year, and the next two three years are not that good. Now yeah. you've limited yourself. So for me, that was always a big thing. I knew I was going to go JUCO when I found out I was late, and I'm – Still grateful that I did that. See, and that was one of my things that was also a decision of me going to junior college. That's how I looked at it was that I can go here for the first two years and I can play right away mm-hmm. or hope to play mm-hmm. right away. That was the goal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you go, you go to a four-year university and, like you said, you might be sitting your first two years or you might not play to your senior year. And, you know, you might have a freshman stud in front of you. You don't know what the situation exactly. is going to be, but you're exactly. not going to be able to get those at-bats. Exactly. And I think that's a great thing about junior college. You can go, you can play right away. You can get 50, 100 at-bats your freshman year. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get innings on the mound, whatever, and you can start developing. Totally. And, you know, that's – a lot of people don't look in, into junior college as an option, but it's a very good option. And I'm sure with you, the same as me, your junior college year is probably – two greatest years of your life because to like in terms of the actual baseball field I've never been around this is no disrespect to anybody I've played with after that but I've never been around a group of like 30 guys that wanted it just as bad as I wanted it like the baseball aspect was unreal everybody was at doing extra work when our coach wasn't even there everybody was you know always hanging out together just talking baseball you know just living life and it was honestly like you said really two of the best years of my life and that's the thing is you're invested with a bunch of guys that want the same thing exactly um yeah so it's it's a fun time um being in junior college but so your two junior college years go by at cecil right and then you go is it going to mansfield right um talk to us about that you know your your freshman sophomore year at cecil and then kind of how you got into mansfield and because you know for me, that's that's another thing I've talked about. It's how yeah. you go to junior college and you're basically got to restart the recruiting process yeah. again. So, yeah. kind of talk to us about what you did to get there uh, to Mansfield, and then and then we'll go from there. Okay. So, really, I'm gonna just start off with this saying: Cecil made me a man because I went there my freshman year and I was told I was gonna start. And I'm gonna tell all kids out there: how how far away was this from your house? Two and a half hours. Okay. Two and a half hours. So. I'm in Maryland now. I'm at Cecil, and I'm thinking I'm going to start right off the bat because that's what the coach told me. You know, I'm playing, whatever, whatever. I'm not really focusing on the game. I'm going through it just like it's high school. Um, and luckily on opening day, he gives me the start. He, he was a man of his word. He gave me the start. We lost. I didn't start the next day. I was shocked. I was like, why am I not starting? And then, you know, I never asked him, but it was just in my head, why am I not starting? Why am I not starting? And then I realized when I looked back on that year, I'd 18 pass balls in like 13 games. And I talked to my coach. He's like, listen, you play a position where defense is more important than anything. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to become the DH because I could hit a little bit, but I didn't really catch. And the next year after that, I really focused on, listen, if I'm going to play catcher, I need to focus on my defense. And my sophomore year, freshman year was good. I hit over 300. And I, you know, I had two home runs, and people said, just show more power. Maybe you'll, you know, you're a big guy. Show more power. Maybe you'll get something out of it. And I focused on that my sophomore year. You know, the batting average went down, the power went up. Um, I got hurt. I broke my jaw. Got hit with a pitch. Um, that's why I wear a C flap now. Uh, yeah, that's that. I literally was one of the guys. That I don't wear it because it's cool. I wear it because I got taught a lesson. But uh, yeah, um, I caught better. Still wasn't where I wanted to be. I didn't throw a lot of guys out. Uh, I still had too many pass balls. But my coach saw that I worked and had projectability. And I, you know, 
from freshman year to sophomore, you have two completely different guys. Yeah. You know, and he saw the work ethic. He tried really hard to get me to go D1. He knew that I was a guy that really wanted that. I just wanted the opportunity to put myself on the highest stage, you know. And I was lucky I got an offer from Delaware. I did. Um, they gave me a scholarship, but they took it away. They said they couldn't afford it. They had to give it to a younger guy. Still wanted me on as a preferred walk-on, like everybody says, you know. And like, so like I said, you know, nothing changed. I didn't want to be that again. Um, to me, I was going junior, senior years, and I really wanted to make it into Pro Bowl, get drafted. So I, you know, wanted to play. Yeah. And Mansfield came calling. My coach, uh, Coach O'Brien, used to coach in that conference at Westchester University. So he knew the Mansfield coach for 20-something-odd years. He called me, and he told me, listen, like, you're coming in. You're going to be my guy behind the dish. I'm going to give you this much money. Um, and I couldn't say no. I went up for a visit, and honestly, it was one of the – you know, most beautiful sights I'd ever seen. It's in the mountains of Pennsylvania, and it was awesome. And, you know, like I said, like with Cecil, it really wasn't that hard for me. I went there, and three days later, I committed verbally. Yeah. And that's just how I got to Mansfield. It was all through my coach. I'm grateful for him. He pushed me real hard. He pushed all of our guys real hard. We all had somewhere to play after Cecil. And I think, you know, that's one of the things guys need to realize is that they need to use their resources that they have around them, especially now living in the age of social media. I tell guys all the time, man, if I get asked that, you know, use your social media accounts, post your, you know, yourself hitting, yeah. use it as a yeah. highlight reel and any video you have yourself posted on there because it's more accessible for a coach to go just scroll through this stuff and he can see what he wants to see. But then also, you know, talk to your coaches and, and let them know that, hey, this is what I strive to do. You know, this is what I want to, where I'm looking at going. Yeah. And a lot of the times those guys have no problem helping you out and helping you get there. I'm a, I agree with you. I'm going to add on to that real quick. Is yeah, that, go, go ahead, man. No, like, scouts, are, scouts, college coaches are more on social media and stuff now than ever. And, you know, they might follow certain players. And players think if they post their stuff and they don't get a like from said person that they're not watching. They're in the business to find the best players. They're watching you. But they're not going to like your stuff because they don't want to make it known to you that they're watching. It's not like you're getting a girlfriend and you're just waiting for a like and then you're like oh she likes me like no they're doing their job yeah exactly so just keep doing yours and keep just going under the radar or at least you think you're going under the radar you're on this big huge scope you know what i mean just keep posting it and when they think you're ready they're gonna get you you know what i mean so just keep doing you keep like like you said keep advertising and yourself. That, and i actually want to piggyback off on the things yeah. you said when you were talking about cecil and then getting to mansfield uh how your coach noticed it different from year to year but that's a big thing that you know Guys realize those are recognized, not realize, recognize those kind of things. Uh, you know, how a guy has improved and grow, grown over the last, you know, year, especially those summer months when he's been gone. So, you know, like we're saying, you just got to continue using those resources and, and put in the work and, and talk to your coach. Let them know what you want to do, but also make sure that, that your game is improving as well. Because he'll notice if you put in the work or if you slacked all summer. Yeah. You know, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, you know, so you get to get to Mansfield. Right. What was it like at Mansfield? Did you guys have any success? Um, you know, talk about conference, getting to the conference tournament, um, and how things went from there. So my first year at Mansfield went overall. It went horrible. Uh, my off season was great. The fall ball was great, but um, unfortunately, I tore my meniscus uh, when we got back from winter ball, getting prepared for the season. So. I tried to rush that back. It was meniscus surgery is probably like a six to eight week recovery if you're a catcher because obviously you're on your knees yeah. a lot. I came back in five weeks and I was every time I caught a swollen knee, 
just couldn't be myself and like I really didn't have a good season in hindsight I probably should have redshirted but I was too stubborn and I thought too that too prideful yeah I yeah. just thought that I could come back from it and I can make this happen because I really wanted I'm not gonna lie just like every other kid in the world I wanted to get drafted and I thought that year was the year where I could dominate and get drafted but and I just didn't want to let an injury take it away from me but it happened and I learned a lot from it um, we didn't do well that year at all we didn't make the conference tournament um, and even my senior year, which was a huge 360 from, or huge 180, I guess, from my junior year, like, we were a lot better. We still didn't make the tournament. That was the biggest difference is that Cecil, we were in the conference tournament both years. My freshman year, we were lucky enough to win it, and we went to Super Regionals and lost to a guy who's actually pitching in the show right now, Heath Filmbeyer, for the Royals. He dominated us on the mound and dominated us at the plate. So it was kind of cool to see him beat us. Sophomore year, we lost in the conference tournament finals. Mansfield didn't even touch the playoffs, but it was kind of cool. To, my junior year, we played a team, Millersville, who had four guys drafted, and they lost in the D2 national title game. Yeah. And then my senior year, Westchester University won it all. So it's cool to play against schools that have this national power, and you know that you're playing against guys that could do it. Yeah. Senior year went awesome. I kind of rehabbed perfectly understood what I needed to do. Um, I went from hitting one home run in 240 to hitting 313 with seven home runs. I only had three pass balls. I threw out the most runners in the conference. And I, everything improved everything, exponentially. Senior year, everything was full circle. I was playing good defense. I was hitting, and I just felt like me for once. I felt like I hadn't felt that way since my freshman year because I had two injuries. You know, they weren't that serious, but at the end they of the still, day, they nag. They nag, and, yeah. and they're going to affect you, especially when you're – I was a kid growing up my whole life. I never got hurt, so I didn't know how to handle it. So being hurt in college kind of was a new thing to me. I didn't. I had to deal with how to, you know, deal with injuries. And um, But I'm grateful for that because it brought me to where I'm at now. It's just good learning experiences, you know what I mean? And, and so talking about learning experiences, having two rough years at Mansfield, um, you know, as a team right. record-wise. Right. How did that affect you? Because I know I went through the same thing at Prairie View. Mm -hmm. You know, we had an all right year, my right. first year. And then, you know, we get a new coach. He kind of cleans house, wants to do things his own way or new way, I should say. Right. And, you know, the next two years just really struggled. And you can see how it takes a toll on guys. So, you know, talk about that because that's that's a learning experience as well that you have to go through because you're not always going to go to a college that, you know, you might get there on the down years. And that's tough to to deal with and to still enjoy believe it or not this is going to be weird but it, it reinforced how much I love this game because a lot of guys on my team said they love baseball but after we lost both years and obviously they didn't get drafted um they were done and they just knew that they were done and they felt like their chapter and their book was written in terms of baseball me I, I felt like I had just finished chapter four and I had like an endless amount of chapters left to write this book you know what I mean I had a hunger left I, I was like I didn't get drafted, but this isn't the end of my career. I don't feel right. It does yeah. not feel right. You know what I mean? I'm losing. I feel like I can still do this and compete with guys at the highest level. Why would I stop? It just reinforced my love, and it kind of, like, told me, like, you know what? You're not one of the um, you know fortunate ones that got drafted and can, you know, go into affiliated ball right out of college, but there's other routes. You know what I mean? Look up these other routes. Talk to your coaches to find other routes and go to them and just – Make your career what you want it to be. I, I knew I could play for winning teams. I knew I could help teams win, and I knew I could further my career to, you know, endless levels, you know, going up, you know, and I just – that's what it did for me. It just made me realize – it inspired me to just, you know, be successful in this game and find 
whatever way I can to do that. Yeah. What was your best college experience um, between your four years at CISO and Mansfield? On, on the field or off the field? Uh, I mean, we could go on and off. What, whatever you on got. On the field, uh, definitely winning the uh, conference tournament my freshman year and uh, going to Super Regionals just because, like I said, that kid's in the big leagues. He's Phil Meyer. I had never played in front of that many scouts that just made it known that they were there. There was like 30 guys. You know, yeah. I, I'm sure in Texas – it happens more often because oh, you yeah. guys, in the, yeah. That that was that was a high school game for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Was 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 scouts being there. You know, when we made the playoffs, my my first year uh, or my junior year, I should say, um, we played Daniel Mingdon in the second round, mm-hmm. and that was it's like surreal to watch right. him in the show right now. You know, Corbin Martin was right. on one of my teams in high school. He's in the show right now, so it's like it's it's surreal to watch these guys in the sh- guys yeah. in the show, but like it's wild to look back and. Every game there was just a handful of scouts yeah. there. Like it was that, insane. That that's and that's like I can't agree with you more. You know, because seeing that in the Northeast that doesn't happen too often. You know, you're legit when you're doing that. And just to see that sight was like, wow, this is like what baseball's about. These guys are looking for the next big leaguers, and we're all playing here in a very competitive environment, trying to make it to the World Series. So on the field, that was getting that medal, and then going to supers and seeing that atmosphere was unreal. Um, off the field. I'd have to just say, you know, I, I this is, you know, corny, but it's just hanging out with my teammates yeah. and meeting my girlfriend because I really, you know, we've been together for a long time, but just yeah. meeting everybody in college. And that just, comes along with yeah, it. Yeah, it's just, that's, it's all one big circle, but it, that's my favorite memory is just meeting all those people. So what advice would you give to any, either a young kid or, or a kid in high school that's trying to get recruited? Um, what would you, what advice would you give them as far as getting to college? Um and for him going to either junior college or to a university? Uh, I would say go to expose yourself, just like you said, as much as you can. And social media to your, you know, to your advantage and go Twitter, go Instagram, go everything. I would say learn how to professionally send emails, talk to guys, market yourself, find people that will market you as well. And I would just say self-evaluate. If you're a guy that can go to showcases, go to showcases and dominate. Go run the 60 very fast. Go hit bombs and BP. But if you're a guy that needs development, I'm not going to lie. Like, so I think a huge mistake we all make is that we feel like we all need to go to showcases. When that's, like, not the truth. Like, some guys need development and need to, free, you know, need to become the player that they can. Well, these do. guys these guys got to understand that if you can run a 6-4 right. and hit bombs, right. you, a showcase works for you. But if right. you're a pitcher and you're throwing 78, mm-hmm. go watch a professional game. 100%. Go watch a college game for whatever college you desire to go to and see if they have guys that stack up to what you're doing. Exactly. And yeah, that's the biggest thing is that you got to understand that if you're a pitcher at 17 and mm-hmm. you're throwing 82, mm-hmm. look at the guy next to you that's going to a school and he's throwing 88, 90. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you got to compare yourself to, and you got to be realistic. Yeah. And you, that's throughout baseball your whole career. 100%. You got to be realistic and be able to look in the mirror and know what you can and can't do. Yeah. And be real with yourself. You can't let your pride get in the way. Give you two examples of that. You're a Red Sox fan, right? Yeah. Andrew Benintendi took the summer off before he dominated Arkansas. He oh. took that summer off, didn't play summer ball because he knew he needed to fix something. He fixed it, and he dominated, and guess look where he is. Third overall draft pick. And I'm going to tell you, too, for me, I self-evaluate still to this day. I know, you know, even to this day, and something I work hard on is my pop time. I'm a 6'6 catcher. It's very easy for me to be slow to second base because I stand up, all this stuff. And, you know, my pop times could be very below average. So I know something I need to work on. 
always is my pop times, and that's something I took very serious this offseason, trying to be as quick as I possibly can to second and throw as many guys out as I can. And I also know, you know, just as a hitter, you always need to improve, you know. I hit 300 in the Pecos League last year, but I want to hit 400 this year. I want to hit more home runs than I did last year, you know. I just want to give guys a reason not to take me. And I just want to show guys, like, I'm still self-evaluating, you know. It's hard to admit, but you got to just do it because I'm sure you do it. We all do it. Do it every game. Yeah, and if you want to – Exactly. If you want to be successful, you just have to know what your shortcomings are. And, you know, guys are going to give you more respect that way because they're going to realize this guy's not just an idiot. He wants it, but he knows what he can do and he knows what he needs to work on. Yeah. So you graduate, you graduate from Mansfield, right? Yeah. yeah so you graduate, yeah. graduate from Mansfield and then you go on to play um, mm-hmm. in high desert with the Yardbirds yeah. and the Pecos League. Right. This is in 2017 mm-hmm. when I was in Monterey. Right. You guys went on to win uh, the Pecos League Championship that year. Did, the inaugural yeah. season for the California side for high desert as a team. Yeah. Uh, first off, that's pretty damn cool because for me personally, I've been – I could have won a ring in high school. I could have won one in junior college, and I didn't get one right. in – we're going to have sirens in the back of this. <laughs> I didn't get one in college. Um, got the semifinals in the conference tournament. So I've pretty much been, like, holding on to a ring and losing it at the last second uh, for the last, like, three or four years. Right. And, you know, so the fact that you have one in your first year of pro <laughs> ball is Lucky. I'm envious of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And last year we're grasping onto it and we barely lose, yeah, barely lose it last close. year. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk oh, – tell, tell us about – Getting into pro ball with mm-hmm. High Desert, how that happened, and then I want to hear about um, the championship run and, and you know getting a ring your first year because that's like I said, I'm envious of that. All right, so getting to High Desert uh, was pretty, you know, it's kind of weird. Uh, actually, the Tucson manager had emailed my coach at Mansfield um, asking for any player that he thinks could play beyond college, and uh, he recommended me. Um, but this was two weeks before the draft, and he gave me a call, and I told him like, listen, like. Uh, I don't want to take a chance in this ruining my eligibility. Uh, can you just wait for me? And I'll, I'll definitely be on the next flight out um, after the draft if it doesn't work. And obviously it did not work. I called this guy for like, I'm, I kid you not, two weeks on end. He doesn't answer me. And I'm so depressed at this point because I'm like, I have nothing. So I keep calling him, keep calling him, keep calling him. And that's the thing I'm going to tell guys. Be persistent. Don't just call him once. They don't pick up, hang up the phone. Just be persistent with it if you want it. I kept calling him, and luckily enough, this is probably two and a half weeks after the draft. He calls me back and he says, hey, Pete, I don't have a spot for you anymore. So at first my heart sank. But listen, I just got in touch with a manager in high desert. They're running low on catchers. They're not pleased with what they have. I got you a spot there if you'll take it. So I call the high desert manager the next day. He doesn't pick up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And now I'm really in hoopla. And I kid you not, it took me a week. After, until after I called him initially to get him, and he told me, can you be here in two days? I get a flight, and I'm out there in two days. And I'm starting, I get there probably 11 that night. No, I was early, probably 9.30. They're still playing Hollywood Stars, and I get there at the seventh inning. Um, they lose that game. The next day, I'm starting. Uh, we won. Uh, I hit a double. My first at bat was a hit, and I got a double in that game as well. And It was just a surreal experience. Um, it taught me a lot because... We had a managerial switch <laughs> five games after. Um, and I had started every game, and once our manager switched, I got moved to the bench, and I barely played after that. And that was something new. I got kind of depressed, and I, like, did not go through good habits to deal with that. And I didn't know what it meant to be a professional. I really didn't get working. But 
it was kind of awesome to see guys like Shane Brown, who's played double A, who's with us now in Garden City, and just guys like that, their work ethic, and just watching them go on throughout that whole run. I was kind of like a redshirt. I'd never redshirt in college, but that was kind of like a redshirt year for me because I watched some great dudes go there day in and day out yeah, and kick, was, some, kick some butt. The team was stacked. Yeah, they kicked some butt, and we traveled to Baker, we, Bakersfield came to us. We went to them. We beat them. We went to Tucson, Arizona, beat them, and then we went to Roswell, New Mexico. And all in all, it was a 14-hour ride all the way east towards there. And it was just unreal to see those guys just win the championship. And it kind of gave me an idea of what it takes to win a championship in Pro Bowl. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, having teammates like Shane, like that's that's the, like the surreal thing about getting into professional baseball is all the guys that you meet along the way yeah. and that, you know, you're playing with guys that have different experiences, been to different places, and like just just having Shane on our team is just mm-hmm. a fountain of yeah. of youth, fountain of knowledge. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's very grateful to have guys like that around. Um. But so yeah. now you know we're both three years in now because right. that was 2017. Yep. That was my first year also. Mm-hmm. Uh. Last year we were in Cal City. Now we're in Garden City. Right. So being in your third year, how have you adjusted to the daily life of professional baseball playing every day um aside from college where you know you're playing two or three times a week Mm. um talk about that adjustment how what it was like for you to you know they call it the grind that's what how was the grind adjustment to you so in college just like you said we're playing two three uh for us it was four times a week because we played two double headers but it was just friday and saturday you know so like you said i'm only preparing for friday and saturday the rest of the five days is just practice take it easy uh, mentally, it was easier. Physically, it was easier. Uh, but now now that I'm in pro ball, it's every day we're playing. Every single day, you know what I mean? Uh, at least in the Pecos League, for sure. I'm sure in higher levels, you have more off days. We really don't because we play a more compressed schedule. What I realize is that I can't do what I did in college. In college, I could go to sleep whenever, could eat whatever, could, you know, just do whatever. Like, go, go out with my friends on a Wednesday or a Thursday before a game, and I'll be fine because – I don't know. I just had more time to relax, I guess. Exactly. But now in pro ball, I just have to be smarter with what I do. You know what I mean? I have to understand that, like, especially catching, it's hard, dude. If I'm catching back-to-back days, yesterday I just caught the first, that was the first time I ever caught a day game. We played at three yesterday. On a travel day. Yeah. So we played at seven uh, on Saturday, traveled four hours the next day, and we played a day game at three. So that was a huge, like, there was really no recovery there. And I had to realize, like, you need to get your sleep. You need to understand what you need to put in your body. You need to, you know, working out helps me recover. Believe it or not, makes me feel better. So I need to do that, keep that schedule. And that's just some things that I've need to understand. I need to put that all first before anything else. You know what I mean? I need to make sure my body feels good enough that I can give our team a victory anytime out there on the field when I just feel like I can perform at my best. Yeah. What do you think has been your biggest development as a hitter? Um, these last three years because you know last year you really took off um, I would say the second half of the season but it was kind of still yeah, no, first yeah. half you know like the halfway point right. and I mean you freaking took off and just were dominating the whole second half of the year right um, so I mean, what do you think as a hitter has been your biggest development you know from college and then getting into pro ball and now really finding yourself last year and this year so I think the biggest thing is just learning and listening to guys um, hitting advice. Uh, there's a whole thing called hitting Twitter out there. 
I'm not a big talker on hitting Twitter per se, but I look at all that stuff. Teacher Man 1986, uh, Taylor Zunhorse, who's a teammate of ours yes, last, last year. year, he goes by the Mash Lab on Twitter. Um, you know, guys like that. TJ Hannum, I don't know him personally, but I, I listen to that guy's stuff. Will Lucas, once again, don't know him personally, but I, I look at their stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And I just listen to guys that have had success. For those of you who don't know, Teacher Man is the guy that fixed Judge's swing. Like, he's what made Judge so different from that one-month stint with the Yankees to hitting 52 bombs in his first um, full season. You know, I just listen to what these guys say, and I try to incorporate it. Because I'm going to be honest with you, last year, you're right, I was hitting a buck 55. We're a week away from the All-Star break. I have no home runs in the Pecos League. I'm hitting a buck 55. Um, this is my first full year. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get released. I don't know what I'm going to do in my career after this. And Taylor Zunors is the first guy that comes to me. And he's like, listen, dude, look at this stuff, and I'm going to teach you some stuff, too, because you're my teammate, and we're going to work together. I kid you not, dude, it took me a week and a half, and I'm just doing this simple adjustment, and it, I just feel like the game came easier. And I realized as a pro, too, it's like nothing's impossible. You know what I mean? Like I have, I had zero home runs um, that, to like almost a month and a half in the season, and I, I finished the uh, season, I think, third on the team in home runs. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you see 13, how the right? – uh, yeah, 13. And you had like three or four of the biggest field in our in our right. division. And all I'm trying to say is like, I feel like this is a marathon. You know what I mean? And we always get it confused with a sprint. You know, guys are going to have good starts. Guys are going to have bad finishes. Guys are going to have be vice versa. And, and that's something that really taught me how to be a pro and making adjustments that stay within yourself, let the game come to you, and just always believe that whatever you can do can can be it. I've always seen myself as a home run hitter. I've always wanted to lead a league in home runs. And I'll be honest with you, even this year, I have none right now. I'm hitting well. I have none. I still think I could lead the league in home runs. You know what I mean? I just realized, like, watching big league guys, like, things can happen very fast. Yep. Just let the game come to you. Study the greats. That's a big thing. I compare myself to Barry Bonds and guys have amazing swings. Don't be afraid to do it, cause you know what I mean. One at one point, Barry Bonds wasn't Barry Bonds. Yeah. So just don't be compared. Don't be afraid to compare yourself to people who have had success. Don't be afraid to listen to people, and that's what really's helped me jump and become such a good hitter. And I think that's one of the things you know, as young kids or guys that are younger than us, obviously in high school and college, need to do is they need to be a sponge, and they need to take in as much information mm -hmm. from as many outlets mm -hmm. and guys with experience as possible. And that kind of goes back to a pride thing because I know like it's hard to listen to somebody else tell you what to do or tell you how to do something. Um, but I think the better off you are at, at taking that knowledge or even asking questions too. And uh -huh. you know, even if you don't understand something, yeah. ask questions and try to learn more. The more you can do that and then you can kind of, play through that and see what works for you and right. just pick and choose you know and right. you got to be your own coach in this game exactly because you can have your hitting coaches in the off season and and all of that stuff mm -hmm. but when it comes down to during game time it's you versus the pitcher you're in the box no one else can help you and if you're struggling you got to be able to look at your swing look at video or feel something that you're doing that is not right and be able to change that and get back going. Right. Um, so that's the biggest thing, though, man, is that I tell guys is be a sponge and ask, don't be afraid to ask questions, especially from guys that, that have knowledge. You know, like for us, Shane Brown being yeah. on our team, you know, the perfect guy to go to if you ever have questions. Um, you know, so I tell guys that all the time, like, just don't be afraid to ask questions and then be your own coach and figure out what works. I always respect those guys, yeah. I always uh, respect guys above you. Yeah, yeah, man. They were there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about 
what a normal day is like for you and kind of your routine of getting ready for the game and then leading up to game time, what you do. If you have any uh, superstitions, anything you do in particular, because like for me, I get dressed in a certain order. Right. Um, so yeah, just take us through that. Uh, I wake up every day um, and I do a stretching routine. It's about 20 minutes. I'll just hit the foam roll pretty much every part of my body. I'll go through all my stretches. I have a trainer back home. His name's Jackie Hernandez. You can follow him at the Fusion House. Shout out to him. But uh, him and me have set up a great plan that helps me feel great physically. Um, and I do that 20-minute stretching routine and with the foam roll and everything every day when I wake up. Um, I'll chill out. I'll eat. You know, I like to eat, you know, at least twice before the game. Good stuff, not just, you know, uh, crappy food, but just good stuff. And uh, I just like to relax and just visualize. Mentally, for me, mental preparation is just as important physically. I like to chill and get in my zone. A lot of guys think I'm, sometimes they think, think I'm being standoffish or I'm like, oh, Pete's being quiet or he might be angry. No, I'm just like very locked in and here in the brain um, just to, you know, visualize what I can, what I'm going to do tonight, how we're going to get this win. Visualize us, you know, shaking hands at the end through the line, just seeing all that stuff. Uh, and once BP comes on, it's game time. You know, I, you know, I hit, I have an approach and, and that's when I know, all right, it's ready to, you know, just it's game time. That's it from there on out. So not the particular that you do. Uh, I will that, say this: weird, if I'm in a just... hot no, if I'm in a hot streak, let's say I drink a Powerade that day, I'll keep <laughs> the same color Powerade. But I'm not. It, my superstitions vary with my success, believe it or not. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, I'll wear this shirt that I'm wearing. This is one of my undershirts I wear under my jersey. If, if I'm hitting like, if I had two bombs, I'm, you, you best believe if this is dirty or clean, I'm wearing it the next day. <laughs> you know, but it'll vary. If I strike out three times, it's going back to the it's going back to the bench. Gotta wash all the bad yeah. juju off of it. So I have so many superstitions that just change all the time that it's like not even it's pointless to even mention them but yeah like when i was going through that streak that you mentioned last year i drank the same body armor i was eating the same lunch i was going to the the other mr tomato that restaurant i got the same thing from there you know what i mean and if i struck out there was times where i had bad games in that stretch and i would switch it up but that routine would also last me a week until i didn't get a hit again so i mean i'm always switching it up but yeah if i'm doing well best believe whatever i did the day before is being done today (laughs) Uh, or the next day and the next day after that until somebody figures out a way to get me out and stuff. <laughs> All right, so before we get on to the Instagram questions, um, I know you said you had a trainer back home. Yeah. So talk to me. Talk, tell us about your off-season program. Um, like, how long do you wait before you start getting into training again? And then what do you do specifically training-wise and then, you know, baseball-wise, everything um, to do with that. But then also a guy – you know, up in New York, right. how does that play a factor into it? You know, because for us in Texas, we can get on the field year-round pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of tell me about that because that's very interesting to me, you know, is, being on the, in uh, the Northeast. So this is what happened. When we got done last year, I'm not going to lie, it was my first full season because unlike you, you got to the Pecos League our first year way before I did. Yeah, I only played three weeks because um, I was you know, waiting for the draft. I was in college, whatever. Yeah, um, I think I still ended up with 54 games or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you played a lot. I remember that. Um, so for me, Cal City was my first full season. I'm not going to lie. I loved it. I was exhausted. Mentally, physically, I was exhausted. I told myself I wanted to give myself three or four weeks. I wanted to. Week and a half comes in. Uh, I'm a big guy that you know sends my numbers to people. I like to contact scouts because I feel like in indie ball, we have nothing to lose. At the end of the day, we're giving it a second shot. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. If it does, so we're going for it. I got in touch with a scout from a can't be af- Can't be afraid to be told no. Exactly, exactly. I, I live by that. I got in touch with a guy named Cash Beecham with the Diamondbacks after our season. This is like, I kid you not, a week and a half. I send him what I did. 
and he thinks, you know, as a catcher, he thought it would be nice to invite me to their, they have a private workout for indie guys in Chicago on October 3rd. Mind you, he tells me this August 20th. So I'm like, okay, I'm not even like a quarter of what the rest I want, but it's probably time to get back. So I went to the gym probably August 25th. I started training again. It was probably like 10, 12 days after we had just got done. And I'm back in it again. And I'm training, 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 got ready for the workout, did that workout. Uh, It was a great experience. Um, After that one, David Scrivens, a guy with the Red Sox, I got in touch with him, sent him what I did, and he told me he's going to invite me to a workout near my house, actually, in Sleepy Hollow. It's an indoor one in Porchester. They do it with a bunch of indie catchers and pitchers. And there's multiple scouts there. So I'm like, dude, like, this is huge. Like, there's going to be, like, eight, nine scouts there for, the, like, MLB organizations, you know, and it's indoor. I really don't have that much to show myself. I need to be tip-top. Um, I didn't really get in touch with the facility, like, for hitting and stuff like that. I had my trainer, and we worked out all the time, and we, we hit it real hard. But facility-wise, I couldn't find one. So I'm out. I didn't care if it rained. I didn't care if it snowed. I went to my high school field. I hit off the tee. I threw into a net into a fence every day. I threw to second base with no one there, with nobody throwing me a ball. I just did, and that's what I did for an hour and a half every single day until that workout. I didn't care if it was raining. I didn't care if it, it snowed. And the one prayer I always said every day was, Lord, don't make me sick before this workout. And I kid you not, I did not get sick until three days after that workout. <laughs> so I was grateful for that. And I got really sick after it. And I was just grateful for that, that he kind of like waited that out for me. I was like, appreciate it. But yeah, it was hard, dude. It, it's cold. It's miserable. At times, my balls are getting dirty and soggy, but I didn't care. I wanted to be tip-top, and I wasn't going to let anything tell me no. And I mean, training-wise, I do a lot of HIIT training. You know, it's, it's a mixture of, like, a lot of cardio with weightlifting. I feel like as a catcher, my biggest thing is endurance. I want to be able to endure stuff. And, you know, Jackie and me are great. He's great. We're always switching things up. But I don't do, like, straight isolated workouts. Like, you're going to see me – do suicides to warm up, do bear crawls to warm up, do crab walks to warm up, kind of like football incorporated things. And then I'm going to hit deadlifts and squats and walking lunges. And I'm going to take a band and I'm going to run as far as I can, touch a cone, go back. You know, we're doing a lot of crazy things because I want to be powerful, not just strong. I think people get that confused. A lot of guys like to get strong, but baseball is more power than strength. And power is the ability, how fast you can do a certain amount of work in a certain amount of time. And that's what I really focus on is my power. So, I mean, it's just a lot of that that to get ready for these workouts. But, yeah, it's it's been a very exhausting offseason because there was a lot of workouts I had to get ready for, and, and, and I really had no time off. And, yeah, but I, I, I'm i not going to be told no, so that's what you got to do. Right? And, and that's one of the things guys don't realize, um, the luxury that we don't have. Uh, a lot of things that you, know, you don't see yeah. in this game of professional baseball is the workouts. Um Especially as an indie guy, especially you know, with no, I'm not gonna say credibility, but I mean it in the credibility way. As far as not having the affiliated flag next to your name, you right, know, they, right, you're kind right. of just another guy, another number. Right, um, you have to be ready year round. Year, yeah, huh? you have all these workouts during the fall where <coughs> guys are putting together rosters, um, and they may ask you to come out there. You know, like you said, it will be organizations may ask you to come out there so they can get a look at you for the upcoming right. season. So. You have to be in shape year round, you know. Year like round. for me personally, like like you know, I was driving up every Wednesday to Dallas four yeah. hours to go work out um, with Dennis Pelfrey, the manager of the Florence Freedom, where I was for spring training, and that was all a precursor to not only getting that opportunity in spring training, mm-hmm. but then so he could see me over a course of time. 
and uh, a lot of guys don't realize that, that that's part of the grind that you have to go to whereas affiliated guys they kind of have the luxury of, of security in a way because yes. they know that they're kind of going back to spring training especially if you're a higher right. draft pick more money invested in you whatever the situation um, and that's what guys don't realize because you know I know you're a humble dude and you might you might laugh at this but he's real you're really a guy for the last three years you've dominated our league you've hit well you've played solid defense and you need to still do all of that and this isn't even a knock on you this is what we all have to do but you still need to do all that to get a shot at being promoted which you got you know what I mean exactly you just just a promotion this isn't even like an affiliated opportunity you no, got just a promotion yeah just a like, level a level he needs it you still need to drive four hours to texas work out with this manager and let him see you you know you need that's the thing is that as much as our levels improve and you can equate them to like the american association being equal to double a we don't work the same as like affiliated ball where it's like you dominate a ball everybody's always watching you they're going to give you a shot in high a or double a we need to market ourselves and just because we dominate one year doesn't mean we're going to get even moved up you know, I was telling our manager the other day, David Peterson, like... Future guest on the show. Future guest on the show. I was telling him, though, and he, I mean, he, he's taught me this, but we were just talking about it, and I'm like, Nick Snyder, a guy on our team, hit 24 bombs last year, right? And he's a first baseman. Not a lot of first basemen get moved up. I know he's going to be a guy that gets moved up, and I'm praying for him every day, but I'm just saying, like, he's a guy that hit 24 bombs, and there's guys that are doing way worse than he is, but they're playing positions that higher leagues need and just because of the certain need they got moved up whereas obviously Nick Snyder in terms of performance deserves it more but that's not they don't need it right now they don't need a first baseman so it's like indie ball does move up and you have opportunities within it but it's like right time right place right position it's just so many factors dude and that's why I'm a big advocate saying our the Pecos League as much as there's a lot of crap that goes with it we drive ourselves you know whatever I really think every year the league's gotten better to the point where we're – I really feel like we are legitimate. I really feel like – because, you know, there's a bunch of guys like you, like me, that have dominated or putting up great numbers. You've played in the Can-Am. You've had time in the frontier now. And we're here because opportunities are so thin and far between, you know. But we're here trying to make the best of this one. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of guys or people or fans don't realize that, that everything that happens in the MLB – trickles down to exactly. us all the way down here so exactly during the you know the free agent stuff guys not getting signed to free agents that's holding up um deals in the minor leagues guys getting released so now that's closing doors in indie ball because those guys are going to indie ball and anybody that has affiliated next to their name you know is getting first chances um uh, david peterson just stepped into the room <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're getting a guest appearance. Oh, uh, yeah! <laughs> that plays. That plays. That totally plays. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's get on to these Instagram questions. I got. Uh, Wait, is this like live got, right now? Like, is, is this happening? This, this is, live? Hey, wait your episode next week. Wait your. You got next week's episode. Yeah, this is live. But this is live. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I lost my train of thought. But let's get on to the uh, the Instagram questions. Uh, first one uh, from Dylan Lowry, twenty three. Worst jelly bean flavor? Uh, rotten eggs. You know when you know I when you play that. the game where it's like that you know the wrong. game. That, I don't know what the game's called, but it has two jelly beans that look the same, and it's like one's gonna taste like lemon, one's gonna taste like rotten eggs, and you gotta get the good flavor, hopefully. 
I've played Jelly Bean Roulette. There you go. I didn't, I didn't know what it was called. I, I I'm played, just making something up. It, it, that's basically what it is. I've tasted rotten eggs before. It's not it's not pleasant. I've gotten the rotten egg one. That's that's disgusting. Yeah, oh, man. it does not play. All right, uh, from Midnight Moose, what's your favorite Pecos League field? Favorite Pecos League field? That's a great question. Um, I haven't seen them all yet because this is my first time and Carson's first time on the other side of the league. Uh, so this is a tentative question. This is, you know, to be Sub- to be determined. Yeah, subject to change. Um, I'm gonna say one is Garden City. I'm not gonna lie. I love that place. It's not even because we play. I just it, it has a nice feel to it. Um, a very close twos Monterey because I just I love that town. You know, but those are my one twos right now. See, for me, High Desert the first year was it was amazing. Incredible. But the way it's gone, I can't. You know, I'm a. I can't. I yeah, can't give. Let's it. not talk on that. Yeah, yeah Monterey. is <laughs> definitely number two. Um, this is from our former teammate last year, Justin Cortez, okay. uh, former Cal City Whiptail. What's been your biggest mental challenge over your career, and when or how did you overcome it? Telling myself I could do stuff, and I know it's simple for people, but it's like, like I said, that struggle of having no home runs hitting 150. I didn't know if I could even do what I did to finish the year, you know what I mean? And I had to tell myself every day, you're still, you are who you are. Don't ever change that. Everybody goes through struggles and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And when I told myself that, and I just basically said, you know, screw the world, I'm me. Regardless of what happens, I'm gonna die. My baseball career is gonna die as me. I know who I am, I know what I can do regardless of what the stats say. Honestly, that's when I took off. And that's that was the biggest mental hurdle for me. It's just saying like, yo, you're good enough. What motivates you from overtime, Justin? What motivates me to play, he's basically saying? I'll, I'll take it as that. I think what, what motivates you day in, day out? Making it to MLB. This isn't – this is what people don't understand. Like, all of us are here to make it to the show. Like, I understand, like, we're not going to all be granted that opportunity, but that's what we fight for. And, you know, you can call us ignorant, you can call us stubborn, but we're all going to be told no – a billion times before we actually stop you know and that's what motivates me day in and day out it's like the journey into the valley of the death all those guys knew they were going to die but they went and fought anyways and i'd look at us as the same way a lot of us know we're 99 of us probably aren't going to make it to the show you know but we still are here every day trying to fight and get that opportunity and that's the thing that you know i like to talk about is that people don't realize that even as far away from the show as we are we're still like super close because literally all it takes is one good year, yeah. the right person to see exactly. you, the being in the right organization, like you said, right time, right place. In like earlier, you know, uh, people don't realize that making it to the show, like a lot of it, doesn't even go into performance. A lot of it's a numbers game, and and you know who Who's whose money is yeah. invested yeah. into. Yeah. Um, you know, politics play a role into it. You know kind of a guy's story you know just there's a lot of things that play into it more than just performance and you know being an indie ball guy is going to be harder because they're they got guys that are top 10 round picks that are money's invested into Mm -hmm. and they want to make the most out of that best investment but also if you're able to open eyes as an indie ball guy and be a cheap investment that pays dividends for them then you know there's still an opportunity that lies there um that's just something i don't think people realize when they say well why are you still playing right you know yeah chances may be few and far between um but i think as as long as you're playing you know you're you're that close and i think the past games i've played in like just proves that like last year when we were at the cwl we're playing with 
Tyler Matzik, mm-hmm. who makes it to the show with um, Colorado, Colorado Rockies yeah. last year in the Can-Am, you know, playing with Josh Vitters in Quebec, who was a third overall pick, I think, in the 07 draft. So yeah. it's like, you know, even as far as where we are, these there's guys that have been there that, can play with them. that I'm on the same field can, with. Yeah. So it's like, that's how close you really are. And we played, me and you, in these three years, we've played a lot of guys that have ex-affiliate experience, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think they could start on teams that we're on. I don't think we've played guys that have past affiliate experience that in Cal City I don't think would start for us, and I don't think they'd start for us here. And that's no disrespect to them, but just like you said, it's right man, right opportunity. They got their chance, but there's a lot of guys that are deserving. We're still just fighting to prove that to people every day. Exactly, exactly. All right, so let's move on to our quick fire round, and then we will be done with the It's a great episode. journey, yeah. So, favorite cleats? Favorite cleats, Nike Hirachis. Favorite bat? Favorite bat, Platinum Bats. It's a new company started by a teammate of mine, High Desert, Zach Walner. Check them out on Instagram, at Platinum Bat Co. They're cheap. I can help you out with a deal, but it's great quality wood and awesome. I'll never swing anything else. What's, uh, what model are you swing? I swing a hybrid model, so I call it the PP13. 13 is my favorite number, Peter Pena, my initials. It's a AP5 barrel with a Alex Rodriguez AR13 handle. He lets you custom anything you want. It doesn't really do additional add-ons. Amazing company, amazing guy. Seeds or gum? Seeds or gum, gum. Favorite kind of gum? Favorite kind of gum, Big League Chew. High, uh, pants, grape. Or, high pants or low pants? <laughs> high pants. Favorite uniform in the MLB? The Arizona Diamondbacks, anything with yeah, the teal outline. Yeah, Those the teals are sweet. I, a lot of people hate them. I, I'm a big advocate of the new school, and I can't wait to see what Nike does with the MLB jerseys next year. I think it's going to be surreal. But, yeah, anything with that teal, red, and black combination with the D-backs is just absolute fire. They're, they're killing it right now with the uniform game. Let's do a uh, less R-rated MFK game. Uh, Mary, befriend, and uh, kick off the island. <laughs> uh, you got the three rule changes in, in the MLB, uh, the universal DH, the pitch clock, and the three, pitcher, or three batter minimum for a relief pitcher. Okay, MF, so M, marry, befriend, and kick off the island. I would marry the universal DH. I, I, this is, you know, I just don't think pitchers should be hitting. It would just add another job for hitters, which I think should, you know, I just think that should be the game. You know what I mean? Pitchers are so elite at that level. Let's get the best hitters up there. I'm going to befriend the pitch clock because, you know, some guys do take forever, and I feel like tempo helps guys anyways. It helps your team hit because they get on and off the field fast, and it just helps the game progress, and I'm going to kill – the three uh, batter minimum. There's guys in the league that literally make livings off getting just righties or just lefties out. There's no why it's are all we about gonna, strategy. Yeah, why are we gonna kill their you know jobs just because? I don't even know like why. I don't even know the reasoning. It's just to me it's dumb. But that's gonna speed up the game. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, a, 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 pit, a mound visit that takes two minutes. Get out of here. Exactly. Um, if there's what's one thing you could change in the game, uh, whether that's MLB or even just our game in general. Uh, we didn't get uh, to talk about this a lot, and maybe, who knows, if I'm back on here in the future, we'll talk about it more. I'm a big advocate uh, for MLB expansion. I look that up every day because uh, I know in previous expansions, a lot of indie guys got opportunities because, obviously, the new teams are trying to fill the farm systems. Kevin Millar is a guy that comes to mind. Uh, if it were me, I really would add four to six more teams in the MLB. I really feel like that's a the right amount of number you can add to Major League Baseball where the product of play wouldn't get saturated still. I really feel there's that many great players out there in the world to this uh, in this day that if you add another 300 jobs at the highest level, 
you're going to see actually an even more competitive game than it is today because that's just how great baseball is becoming in this country and the whole world. So that would be my thing right to this day. I'd give four to six more cities major league teams and give guys more jobs and Let's see what they could do at that level. So what cities are you giving teams to? Uh, easy. Uh, <laughs> Vouch for your cities. I'm vouching for my Rob cities. Rob Manfred, listen up. Uh, so Portland, PDX, you guys sent me a shirt. Thank you for giving me a shout-out on Twitter when I asked you a question one day. Portland, you're definitely getting a team. Montreal, definitely getting a team. Nashville, definitely getting a team. The Tri-Cities in North Carolina, uh, mainly around Raleigh, are getting a team. They all have movements, too. Check them out. Um, and my two wild cards... Uh, believe it or not, I'm giving, I'm putting a team in Northern Jersey because as much as cold as it is in New York, that's baseball capital right there. They love baseball. I feel like North Jersey deserves a team to finally call their own so they can finally get out of New York because they definitely don't belong as New York fans. Um, and I want to put honestly one more team in Brooklyn. I really feel like, well, what Jackie did. I understand the Dodgers franchise is still around, but he did it in Brooklyn, and yeah, that's cool a bring that's just a, yeah, that's a city. You can say whatever you want about anything else I just said, but Brooklyn is baseball. Like to me, when I think baseball, I think Brooklyn, and I just really wish one day, before I die, before you die, we can see Major League Baseball back in Brooklyn. You put one in uh, Las Vegas. That's a, that's great. That'll be the next round. <laughs> Expansions always is always uh, coming. So Vegas and, New, and Mexico. Let's get Vegas and Mexico in the next round. <laughs> but for this one, you can sit out. They got the hockey team, you know. Oh, uh, that, yeah. That's one of the things me and my dad have actually talked about. Um, is so if you took basically keep AAA and AA around for all your organizations because mm-hmm. you know they run on year to year contracts mm-hmm. or whatever the individual ownership, but then get rid of rookie ball and A ball and the the winner the he mentions me this yeah, to me I, they, I like I think, this I, I like this idea this. yeah um and take your indie leagues so American yeah. Association Can Am Atlantic Frontier Pecos Pacific. USPBL and Empire, take all of those and you know even add in more of those those yeah. low rookie teams just because you have the availability of the stadiums, um, and make indie ball basically one big pool, uh, somehow have it all interconnected, yeah. um, and make that basically the the single A and rookie ball of the MLB. I agree. Just it's not you know affiliated with anybody. Everybody's under one pool that can, they can get signed and pulled from. And, you know, that's that gives guys more opportunities. And you know what that also does is that I, I'm sure, because you're a baseball guy, I'm sure you know that a lot of scouts have lost their jobs over the last years because analytics are taking a much bigger role. Nothing against analytics. I love analytics, but I feel like scouts are the backbone of this game. I feel like they deserve their job. So I feel like if you're going to make that huge pool, it should be scouted. Every game should be scouted heavily. Exactly. And those guys that you just fired, I feel like analytics don't really play at our level yet. You know no, what I mean? Don't. So, guess what? Give them. Not, I don't think they play because we're not in the best of facilities. We're not exactly. using the best of balls. Exactly. Uh, and guys don't realize that those things, like even though they're, they're small fa- yeah, differences, they're, they're, they're factors fa- into performance. So like, that could give the scouts their jobs back. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, they just want to find major league talent. I, I think they could care less at what level they're looking at it for. So, like you said, I think it'd be a great step, better stepping stone than the system we have in place right now. But I think it'd also be on the other side of it, give guys more jobs because at the end of the day, like you can talk bad on scouts all they want. They're still great guys. They still know a lot about the game. And at the end of the day, they're trying to feed their families through this. So it'd be nice to see them employed again and just everybody having success and just making the best of what our game is. It's just great that we could use this game as a way. I mean, I know me and you can't just yet, but it's great that, you know, at some point 
you can use this game to feed your families and help your family going down generations, you know, live great lives. We're, we're, feed, we're feeding families with the podcast. So yeah, exactly. The podcast is making them bigger. The, pod, the podcast plays, dude. The podcast plays. All right, final question. Uh, make it to MLB. What's your first purchase with a your house. MLB contract? A house. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell I'm a big business guy because my mom's in business. Uh, she's uh, She works at Sotheby's. She's a very high position. It's a it's a you know um, auctioneer company in New York City. Um, she's taught me business since I was a kid. I'm a big person on assets, not liabilities. If I buy a house, ten years from now, the house is going to be more, worth more than when I bought it. I made money just by living. You know what I mean? And I just want to provide for my kids and their kids beyond that. So I'm a big assets guy. I'm sure nice cars will come way down the line if that happened. But first and foremost, I'm about house for my uh, my wife. Who's my girlfriend right now? But I, you know, I, I could see a future with her for sure. She's definitely gonna be my wife, and she that wants plays. a house. Happy, yeah, it plays. Happy wife, happy life. She's gonna listen to this. I love you. Sorry, that didn't mean. It came out a little weird. She might get mad. All right, what's your final advice to anybody that's listening to this? Uh, what do you have to say to them? Uh, basically, what I live my life by, and I can tell you, you live your life by, and this whole team. Just always follow your dreams. You know, it's tough what we do. You know, we don't get paid that much. We're traveling on our own. We're going to uh, cities that nobody's ever even heard of, like California City. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but uh, we're still following our dream. You know, at the end of the day, I'm going to rest easier. We're all going to rest easier knowing we gave this 150%. There's no, you know, there's no questions left. There's no what ifs. Uh, I personally know I'm going to go. I'm going to do this until I'm 30 because I want to see what I can just do until then. You know, making it to show is always the goal, but I just want to see what I can do. And that's something I've told myself before, first and foremost. I'm going to do it till that long. Maybe even beyond that. You know, I'm not setting any time limits. I'm doing this day by day, but I'm just following my dreams. As long as you love something, pursue it. I see that corny thing on Instagram all the time. At 23, or which is around our age, Oprah was got fired. Walt Disney was bankrupt. You never know what can happen in 10 years. You know, your life could change. You're in a dark spot right now. The sun can shine somewhere else soon, so... Just follow your dreams, do what you love, and be patient. I don't, care, I don't care how corny it is. Those stories are stories for a reason. Right. And, uh, you know, to piggyback off that real quick, I tell, I tell everyone this, but it's it's about the journey and not the destination. 100%. It's not, 100%. it's not, as much as it is about making it to the show, it's not about making it to the show because everything that's going to happen in between is what you're going to look back on, the, the friendships we make, um, the teammates, the, the, the games, the memories, the travel all these places we get to go to like it's about all that stuff that, that comes in between and that we're fortunate enough to do in the pursuit of the major leagues i, I mean, mean the major leagues is just another journey so yeah. i don't mean to make this summer but yeah i mean you we both got to play them like this man right here i wear this because this is one of my brothers you know like you guys are all my brothers but javi taylor he passed away god rest his soul you know and i would have never had the luxury of being touched by a great human being like that if i never had this journey you know what I mean exactly. and that's how I our feel past, about all you guys never come together and that's, without... that's how I feel about all you guys you know and I, it's, it's unfortunate sometimes some of us need to go and that's their time and that's their journey and they have a greater purpose and that's what it takes for us to realize how and cherish how much you know what we're doing how special it is but honestly like that like, just like you said you couldn't have said any better it's just all about this and just everybody you meet along the way and just everything we're doing dude. exactly well, I want to give you one chance to go ahead and plug your social media accounts before signing you off. So go ahead and tell right. everyone, everyone <laughs> where they can find you if they want to follow All you. All right, so I'm at Peter underscore Pena, P-E-N-A, 13, on Twitter and Instagram, both. I mean, if you guys want to give me a follow, 
I'm funny sometimes. I, I'm not like Carson. He's way better at that stuff than I am. But I'll, I'll, I'll give a good story here and there, and I'll make a funny tweet here and now. But, you know, I definitely put a lot of baseball stuff up there and workouts and things like that if that's something you guys are interested with. And I'll definitely follow back. I'm not a hater. I don't look at the follow-to-following ratio. I'll follow you guys back. I don't care. Yeah. All right, you guys. I will tag uh, his Instagram in the description box below. But appreciate you coming on, Peter. Appreciate it, my brother. Thank you guys for coming on and getting down and dirty, dirty with me on the Down in the Dirt podcast. Till next time. It plays.